Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Laura. This week's episode of MuggleCast is a mailbag. Listeners wrote in with their feedback about recent episodes, and we have a new topic to introduce as well. And we are also joined by one of our Slug Club members from our Patreon, Pablo. Hey, Pablo. Welcome to the show. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. It's great to have you. We've come to know you pretty well, Pablo, because Laura, Micah, and I attended one of your virtual classes. You're a teacher, right? Yeah, I'm a high school teacher right now, and thank you so much, guys, for chatting with my class about fandom culture and creating content. They were awesome. Yeah, it, yeah, was, it was very cool. A lot of good questions. They loved you. And uh, so tell us about yourself. Where do you live? I live in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I'm a teacher. So, yeah, and I'm also cool. like a film blogger, a podcaster, and I, I like all of these fandom culture stuff. <laughs> awesome. What's the name of your podcast? I have a Harry Potter podcast. Uh, it's in Spanish, but it would translate to Quarantine Nine and Three Quarters. We started during the quarantine. Quarantena no y tres cuartos in Spanish, and we just chat about random stuff. And I have to say that MuggleCast was a huge inspiration to put our voices out there. So let's get your fandom ID, Pablo. Of course. Um, I became a Harry Potter fan uh, in 2001, 2002, a while ago. Uh, I didn't see the movie in theaters, but I remember vividly going to my friend's house. Her name is Maria Jose. I went to her house uh, for like a barbecue grill. Our parents are friends. So I got, I go there. Keep in mind, I was like five or six years old. And my friend is nowhere to be seen. So I ask her mom, oh, where, where is she? Where's everyone? And they tell me, oh, they're upstairs watching a movie. I go upstairs and my friend and her siblings are watching Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone right in the Quidditch scene. So I remember mm-hmm. sitting down. And everything went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> you mean uphill? <laughs> yeah. And so you were just really blown away by the Quidditch scene, it sounds like? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Very and I cool. had to find out what this Harry Potter stuff was. And yeah. here I am almost 20 years later. You said, this sport is ridiculous. What do you mean it all <laughs> yeah. rides on the golden snitch? I don't get it. I'm fascinated. Yeah, next thing I know is like I'm learning how to read just to be able to read Harry Potter. Oh, that's great. And my favorite book is Goblet of Fire. I just love the world building that happens in that book. My favorite movie is Prisoner of Azkaban. Gotta support my my friend Alfonso Cuaron. Yes! Uh, Hogwarts House, Slytherin. Proud Slytherin. And Ilbermorny, it's Horned Serpent. Okay. And my Patronus is a fox. Very good. Well, welcome to the show, and thanks again for supporting us on Patreon, and we're glad you stumbled into that party that one night. Can I ask, when you first read the books, did you read them in English or Spanish? I read them in Spanish, and the first movies, I'm really used to the dubbed versions. Their voices are interesting, and I've read the books in both English and Spanish. Well, before we jump into a small bit of news and then today's discussions, we have some quick housekeeping. Make sure you are subscribed to MuggleCast for free so you never miss an episode. Also, we would appreciate it if you took a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to MuggleCast. And also tell a friend about MuggleCast. Help us spread the word about the show. And we do have a bit of news this week, and it's not good news. The big new Harry Potter video game that we were all looking forward to, Hogwarts Legacy, is now delayed until 2022. It was supposed to come out sometime this year. 
they said in a statement that they need to uh they need to give their developers more time to work on the game which is fine we hear about this all the time eric i saw you tweeting about this too Mm. uh sometimes these developers are put into these crunch periods where they have to work you know 80 hour weeks to get the game done and then in the case of some games they still suck like cyberpunk <laughs> they had to pull that game a couple months ago because it was so bad yeah just glitchy just they didn't yeah it wasn't polished enough and uh mm-hmm. i think that they want to make sure that that doesn't happen i think other games are taking note uh, other producers are taking note of you know sort of what went wrong with with cyberpunk which by all accounts when it works is a great game. So we do not want a, a buggy Harry Potter game. Otherwise, it'll go down in history as the buggy Harry Potter game versus uh, right. whatever cool merit. So right. uh, that's it, guys. I am hopping into a time machine and <laughs> I will see you guys in 2022. I it's think not I'm a gonna bad s- plan. I'm going to set it for like June or something. Hopefully you guys figure out what we can talk about on MuggleCast between now and then. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to wait till that game comes out. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, we're going into Eric, hibernation. Yeah. What, what I want to know, though, is will you live stream your playing of Hogwarts Legacy? Because oh, oh, you're you now know on Micah, Twitch. Yeah, you're very kind. You're very kind. Micah came onto my stream the other day. I started <laughs> video game streaming Horizon Zero Dawn. And I think he left one comment. It was like, looks, looks like good nature or something. Cause I was up on a <laughs> It was what? real, real cool. But I, but I, but when I tried to engage you about how it compared to breath of the wilds nature, I don't think you, oh. I think you left. Uh, I might have <laughs> the stream, but I didn't get an answer to my first question. It was, I, you know, I, there might've been a delay. I don't know, but horizon zero dawn's nature is better. The, the first thing I had said to you though, was, is this the famous podcaster? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Or, or are I, you this? The, yeah, anyway. I'm sure you could see it through the Twitch stream, but I blushed. I blushed. <laughs> if anybody was looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy this year and uh, hasn't played Horizon Zero Dawn, maybe give that a try. It's on PS4, well, that, and that's what I want for Hogwarts Legacy to be like, pretty much right. exactly like you know when you're roaming the grounds of Hogwarts. Especially because I think this wasn't this the game that they said there's going to be ruins. At Hogwarts. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So there's ruins in Horizon Zero Dawn that you go into and you search for clues and all sorts of stuff. So I, I guess my live stream over at Spielerman Games on Twitch has become very relevant now, but but go check it out. And, you know, it's <laughs> it, it's just a, play the game yourself. It's, it's actually a really good game. You can sink like something like 60 hours into. So. so this does basically mean we have nothing to look forward to this year that we know of. Um, <laughs> other wow, than Andrew. the Well, I mean, in the world really of Harry Potter. Up- Pep up the audience. Sorry to... Well, we want you all to come back to MuggleCast. We're going to be having a lot of fun here and creating new content here. But officially, there's just not going to be much new content other than Order of the Phoenix Illustrated Edition, which is supposed to come out later this year in uh, two parts, if Eric gets his way. (laughs) We made the same joke. Because I know you're thinking it. I can't not think it anymore. I know. I know. I know. I know. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But it's wrong. It's wrong. Anyway. Oh, he admits it. Finally. All right. 2021. He's finally turned the corner on that. So before we get to emails, when we do these Muggle Mail episodes, we like to introduce a new discussion topic to keep things fresh. And this year will actually mark the 20th anniversary of Sorcerer's Stone hitting movie theaters. 20 years since Pablo walked into that bedroom and saw Quidditch for the first time (laughs) and fell in love. So we will celebrate Sorcerer's Stone's anniversary more later this year. But for now... Today, we're going to talk about the best character introductions in the Sorcerer's Stone movie. Micah, you and I actually 
have the same character. We do. Not only is it our introduction to these characters in this movie, and in a lot of cases, it's our introduction to them for the entire series. So uh, I chose Ollivander, and I know I gave him a hard time a couple of episodes ago about possibly changing his uh, business slogan uh, as a New Year's <laughs> resolution. Yeah, that was offensive. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But yeah, Ollivander, first off, what other character has the introduction that he does? I mean, the man comes in on a rolling ladder <laughs> right into the scene. For Harry, it, it's it's interesting because he knows Harry's there without even seeing him. He makes a comment about, I was wondering when I would see you, Mr. Potter. Uh, and uh, it's and Andrew, I know you're going to go into some of this, but just it's just a really great moment for Harry to to finally get his wand and, you know, John Hurt does an amazing job um, yeah. in the role of Ollivander. Yeah. And the reason I thought this was the best character introduction is because this is the first scene in the story where Harry's magical abilities are actually celebrated and uninterrupted. The first time his magic causes chaos at the zoo, and then the letters arrive, and it causes mayhem at the Dursleys, and then they run off to that shack, and then there's more mayhem when Hagrid arrives. But then with Ollivander... After he slides along those wand shelves, we get this pure, quiet, and simple moment that showcases Harry's abilities and the greater possibilities of the Wizarding World. And there's that iconic shot of the correct wand springing to life as it enters Harry's hand. And I think it's badass to see Ollivander correctly guessing that the brother of Voldemort's wands would be Harry's. He, he knows what's up, and that's why he needs to be working in that shop Micah, hashtag don't fire Ollivander. He's so memorable. And is it's also one of the few characters that has just like a very moral gray area uh, because mm-hmm. he's sort of complimenting, maybe not sort of Voldemort at the same time uh, mm-hmm. by saying that Voldemort did great things, terrible things, but great. And it's just a weird first introduction, like for Harry to the wider wizarding world to have this proprietor mm-hmm. of this shop be like, yeah, Voldemort did great things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to think that instead of Ollivander knowing it was Harry during that summer, I'm sure he was counting down like, oh, this is the year that Harry Potter is supposed to show up here. And he just rolls into the ladder with every new customer. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered when I'd be, oh, never mind. Yeah. You know, I was watching the scene last night and I was like, really? You didn't know when he would be showing up? I mean, you can do the math, can't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Ollivander is also the first real wizard that Harry gets an introduction to. No disrespect to Hagrid, but I, I just feel like that interaction, like wow. Ollivander's this old, wizened individual. Yeah. And you just feel the magic in that scene, really, for one of the first times. Right. And before that, we also encounter Quirrell, but that guy's a weirdo and he's all nervous. It's it's just very awkward. But to your point, Micah, this is the first wizard who like seems to have his ish together. Poor Hagrid. <laughs> Jeez. I feel like I'm really going to have to talk Hagrid up here in a moment because <laughs> this is slander. No, no, I don't. Well, it might be uh, in your opinion. I don't think anything that was said was particularly untrue, right? Uh, but I'm talking about another real wizard for my introduction. So we get introduced to <laughs> Lord Voldemort is absolutely the coolest, uh, best character intro for me. It will not soon uh, escape my nightmares thinking about the unraveling of the turban 
uh, when Quirrell is standing in front of the mirror, Vera said, now, whether Voldemort, I mean, the backstory that we got, the flashback that when Hagrid was telling Harry about Voldemort killing his parents, we did get that little bit of a intro of the hooded figure. So it's been built up for so long. And then to suddenly see and have that amazing shot of the, the, the cameras focused on Quirrell, but in the mirror, you see the reflection of Voldemort and Voldemort is addressing Harry. It's just the coolest like the initial reveal and then the whole conversation and the way it's shot, the way how how awkward and evil and sinister it is, it's not going to be topped. That's the creepiest that Voldemort has ever been. Yeah. Agreed. All right, Laura, defend Hagrid. First of all, Hagrid is a real wizard. He was disenfranchised because of his background. Um, but I really think that Harry's introduction to the wizarding world mattered and I think there was no one better than Hagrid to provide that introduction because you need the right combination of kindness and straightforward truth telling. And Hagrid gives that to Harry. And Robbie Coltrane gave that to us in the scene in the movie. What I love about Hagrid's introduction in the Sorcerers and Philosopher's Stone movie is that it's staged just like it's jumping off the pages of the book. Everything about it was just so perfect. I remember initially seeing this in the trailer when I was like 11 years old and I was seeing the trailer in theaters. Uh, I remember like my heart fluttering a little bit because it was like, oh my God, this is mm. exactly like the book. And I think this is actually one of the accomplishments of Sorcerer's Stone as a movie. Um, it's not my favorite movie in the series by far, but it does a really good job of establishing character. And I just think that's true for Hagrid. He's really Harry's fairy into the wizarding world. And <laughs> if it, if this had not gone, like, think about this, it could have gone real creepy. Like, a middle-aged dude shows up at your family's cabin and is like, hey, uh, you're a wizard, you're coming with me. You know, had they not played that right, it could have been weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the term using the term fairy when it comes to Hagrid. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, he literally did. And then he yeah. took him across to Hogwarts, too. So on a boat. So he ferries him across the water. And he makes great cakes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, that was so sweet. This claim is disputed. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and then Pablo, best character intro in the movie. I have to go with Hermione. And hmm. this has a lot to do uh, with the fact that the most iconic lines in the Spanish version of the movie are in that Hermione introduction. If you guys ever see it, she says to Harry, like, what would translate to, oh, boiled snails, you're Harry Potter. <laughs> it, it became an iconic line. And please back me up, any Spanish speakers that have seen the movies. Boiled snails. Yeah. Jeepers creepers. <laughs> yeah. And... In terms of storytelling, you can immediately tell what Hermione's character is like. And it's really interesting how she is not immediately like Ron. She's like challenging them in a good way. And yeah. I've always wondered, how does Hermione know that Harry is Harry Potter? Because she's the brightest witch of her age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the scar, the glasses, I guess. But I guess there's not many photos of him. She there. took the time to do a lot of research about the Wizarding World before going to Hogwarts. 
Oh, Brock she Burdett. definitely did. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we decided to ask our listeners this question as well. But before we get to those answers, it's time for a word from our first sponsor this week, Quip. And with the new year upon us, I want to talk about one of their newer products. So you brush, you floss, but do you chew gum? Gum is actually the unsung hero when it comes to better oral health. The American Dental Association recommends chewing sugar-free gum for 20 minutes after meals. I love grabbing a piece of gum after lunch or when I'm in the car to freshen up my mouth for the rest of the day. It was only a few short years ago that Quip reinvented the toothbrush for the modern age, and they've done it again, this time for chewing gum. They've launched a new gum that's actually good for your oral health and comes with a dispenser that'll remind you of the one-click candy you loved as a kid. Quip gum can help prevent cavities and freshen breath when chewed for 20 minutes after eating. It's sugar-free and has a tooth-friendly xylitol with zero calories. And to satisfy your taste buds, Quip added a long-lasting mint flavor and crunchy tri-layer design. It comes in a slim, travel-ready dispenser, plus you can add a gum refill plan for a gift that keeps on giving all year round. It's not a substitute for brushing and flossing, but this is great support for your oral health. Pair it with a Quip electric toothbrush for adults and kids, refillable floss, and more great products. And if you go to getquip.com slash muggle right now, you can get a free plastic dispenser with any refill plan. That's a free dispenser at getquip.com slash muggle, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash muggle. We will also have a link in the show notes. Quip is the Good Habits Company. All right, so some of our listeners chimed in as well. Favorite introduction in the Harry Potter movies. Alice said, I love Dumbledore's introduction in the first scene. It was very mysterious. It just drew you in with the magic of the Deluminator. And of course, the wonderful music still gives me chills. Robbie says, Fred and George, honestly, woman, you call yourself our mother. Just (laughs) loved that they were introduced with a joke. (laughs) Yeah, so perfect. Yes. Agreed. Uh, well, Laura, you have a, uh, a friend in Joshua who says it has to be Hagrid. I mean, come on. That entrance is classic and legendary. We knew who he was from three miles away, and he looked like the epitome of what I had imagined in my mind when reading the books. This entrance, followed by the entrance in the Hut on the Rocks at Sea, best impact. Oh, he made impact with that door, that's for sure. <laughs> the bike well, landed on the uh, sidewalk at Privet Drive. I was going to yeah. say, I know I did give kudos to uh, Ollivander for his sliding ladder, but Hagrid on a motorbike may uh, may top that. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, Pablo, agrees with you. Hermione's was pretty great. You definitely get the bossy pants vibe right away. Yeah. Cherry said, Hermione. I love when characters aren't immediately likable people. It makes it easier to feel immersed in the world because it's written in a way that doesn't try to make everyone perfect in their own way. It feels more grounded in reality despite being in a fantasy world. Great point. Mm. Caitlin says, Dumbledore, how he comes out of the mist, performs a weird bit of magic. It seems like he makes the streetlights go out with a cigarette lighter and then calls a cat professor. Intriguing, (laughs) magical, and cat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Charlotte says, I really love Madame Hooch's entrance. An interesting choice. It's so straight (laughs) to the point. No messing about. Quote, we're we're here for a broom lesson and now let's get on with it. (laughs) Don't make me late for lunch. (laughs) Let's give, yeah, let's give Madame Hooch her due. That was a cool entrance. She's all business. Yeah. She's got things to do. (laughs) She wanted to get back to her lady friend Sprout. Yeah. yeah. Right. (laughs) Sprout's (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Uh, Nicole says, uh, I have to go with the title character. Beyond the initial shot of baby Harry, we see Harry under the stairs playing with his little knight, then have Dudley jumping all over him and Aunt Petunia shouting at him to get up. As a kid seeing the movie, it was just like reading about Harry for the first time. And finally, Luke said, Mrs. Weasley is my vote. With her interaction, Harry may have never made it onto the Hogwarts Express. Additionally, that indirectly started the bond between Harry and Ron after Ron joined him on the train in his section. Good point. Mm -hmm. And actually, I want to make one more point about Ollivander. His (laughs) intro is so iconic. That whole scene is so iconic that they replicate it hourly at the Wizarding World theme parks. When you go through the wand experience, the Ollivander there picks a kid and the whole thing happens. He slides on the wand shelf. He, you know, things <laughs> blow around, things light up. It's, it's, that scene is so iconic that they wanted to replicate it in the parks and everybody gets chills, I think, when you're but in that room. Andrew, when you went, did the person slide out and say, Andrew Sims, I wondered when I would be seeing you. <laughs> yes, and then I filed a restraining order. <laughs> I was going to ask, do they only like pick a kid out of the audience or every now and then do they Pretty pick much. A, a rando adult? So it's really weird for everyone. You can leave a good word in with the employees about if it's your birthday or something. Yeah, I think, I think can... they'll give you priority then. But I think they lean for the kid. I think because I think part of the goal is to get the kid to actually buy the wand. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, the parent's going to buy the wand if he goes through that whole experience. Whereas an adult might be like, well, that was cool, but I'm broke. So I'm not going (laughs) to buy this wand. Correct me on this. I think it's like a $40 wand, right? It might even be more than that. Yeah, they're not cheap. Yeah. Wow. And then there's the, those special wands that can actually do spells across the park in certain areas. And those are even more. I think it's, 70 or 80 maybe andrew just one other character that did get a lot of uh, mentions was mcgonagall uh especially over on patreon so it's my fault i should have thrown one in here but i did want to say that a lot of folks chose her cool and like i said we will discuss sorcerer's stone more in the months ahead to celebrate the 20th anniversary so let's head into muggle mail now and we're going to start with some voicemails this first one comes from adam who has a way for Voldemort to continuously monitor his horcruxes. Hey, MuggleCast, this is Adam with some feedback on episode 496. Uh, You guys talked about Voldemort needing to check in on his horcruxes every so often, but I think a better solution would just be to adapt the magic of the Weasley family clock into a watch. Mm -hmm. That way he can just check his wrist, see if a horcrux is lost in transit, at school, (laughs) or in mortal peril. (laughs) A lot easier than checking the locations every month. And then I wanted to share two lines... Uh, the ones that fans say out loud. Uh, my sister always says, it's still hot from Sorcerer's Stone when Filch finds Harry's lantern in the restricted section. <laughs> and then I'm a big fan of, it's going to be a bumpy ride from Prisoner oh, of Azkaban, yeah. the shrunken head on the night bus. Appreciate all you guys do. Keep it up. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that discussion last week. We're definitely going to turn that into a recurring mini segment because there's so many options and doing those impressions is so fun. Mm-hmm. But that watch idea is a great idea, too. It's a good one. Yeah, that's hilarious. Though Voldemort doesn't strike me as a jewelry type of guy, but maybe mm. to save his life, it'd be worth it. Yeah, snakes don't really wear watches. Yeah, I don't think he would be <laughs> wearing it because he would think of it as such a muggle trait. But he could mm. find a way to just keep track of them with like 
I don't know, a magical parchment or something. Yeah. yeah more of more of an alarm system that really like just notifies him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, something what like if that. he got tattoos of each of them and then, Oh yeah. You know, maybe it would touched. burn like the dark mark if something was wrong with it. But he's got too much of an ego to actually bother to keep track of them. Right. That's like half the point. He That's, thinks yeah, he they, hid them the very well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this next one is from Sylvia, and she wonders about the spouses of teachers. Hi, MuggleCast. My name is Sylvia, and I've been listening for about two years now. I just had this quick thought that I wanted to share with you. I don't really know if you guys know the answer to this, but I was rereading the Harry Potter series because I'm an avid fan, and was just wondering, do the Hogwarts teachers and staff, if they have spouses or children, do they live with them at the school? I wouldn't be surprised if some of the teachers had partners, and it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't live there with them, but you never hear about them in the books. I just had this question. Thank you, guys. I love you guys so much, and I love listening to your show. Bye. Happy holidays. Thanks, Sylvia. Yeah, those poor teachers. It's a good question. <laughs> you know, in the books, they kind of treat teachers like and I'm sure Pablo can speak to this, the way that students treat teachers, where it's like you only exist in the realm of education and you don't have a life outside of it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There's more to Pablo, okay? (laughs) I wholeheartedly agree. And I used to think the same. I remember finding a teacher at the supermarket for the first time. Yeah, and it was weird. (laughs) You sleep under your desk in a cardboard (laughs) box? What? You eat food? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. This is actually, so Sylvia has touched on one of the all-time most elusive mysteries that J.K. Rowling has touched on. Uh, In the 2001 BBC Red Nose Day interview, Uh, of J.K. Rowling for Red Nose Day back in 2001, uh, she was actually asked this question, have any of the Hogwarts professors had spouses? Her reply was, quote, good question. Yes, a few of them, but that information is sort of restricted. You will find out why. We never found out. No, we didn't. (laughs) Well, cut scene. A little bit more on that, at least as it relates to Professor McGonagall, uh, her backstory on wizardingworld.com does mention that she was married for a period of time uh, to a man named Elphinstone Urquhart. Yes. And uh, she did live in Hogsmeade with Mm. him for, I think it said three years before he passed away, and then she couldn't bear to live in Hogsmeade anymore. So she returned to living at Hogwarts. And yes, I also think that he was her former boss at the ministry. So she did a, a couple year stint at the ministry before going to Hogwarts. So that's really the only record I could find. I know there's also been talk that Flitwick and Sprout were maybe uh, a little hot and heavy with each other at times, but there's no proof of that. But Sprout and Hooch, man. Yeah, what ship? What happened to that? Everyone's boarding that ship this year. Yeah, twenty one. It's more okay. stylish. Sign me up. And I think- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I it's it is weird that by the time we see like Dumbledore never found love after Grindelwald. Maybe that's what J.K. Rowling was talking about, like restricted information because. Dumbledore and Grindelwald had been together. I don't think that's what she meant. But but yeah, by the time they get to Hogwarts, they're either widows in the case of Minerva uh, or they're into other teachers at the school like Sprout and Hooch and Flitwick. Three's a crowd, Eric. Three's a crowd. (laughs) 
Yeah. Or yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're like prospects of having a life outside of Hogwarts have just been dimmed by age and other circumstances. So as a matter of fact, it seems like they don't really have spouses. The Potter No More article that you just brought up, Micah, was the only recollection I have as well about spouses. I think that's the only time Rowling has commented on it. But I also wonder, do spouses even want to live at Hogwarts? Maybe these teachers just had home for the weekend. I, If I was a spouse and I didn't teach at Hogwarts, I don't know if I would want to be there. Like, yeah, it's a cool school and all, but it's also very hectic. It doesn't seem like a very peaceful life. That's honestly a great point. And what would you do? Yeah, Yeah. if you're not head of house and every other teacher besides the four that we know of that are heads of house, if you're not the head of house, you probably don't need to be there on the weekend. Right. It's a fair point. I think there was a mention too of of Trelawney having been married before she started prophesizing and drinking and that may have driven the person away. I don't know if that was true or if that was just an article I've read, but... (laughs) Uh, she anyway. prophesized that their relationship wasn't going to last. And then but that person was like, well, I'm out then. See you later. I do. I will say, though, I know spouses aside, I do find it odd that none of the professors have children. Mm. That we know of. <gasps> yeah. Next time on Mari. <laughs> you know, Trelawney, since you mentioned it, was actually married to somebody named Higglebottom? See, I didn't make it up. According to a search, Mr. Higglebottom <laughs> was a man who once married Sybil Trelawney. Their marriage ended unexpectedly and acrimoniously when Sybil refused to take his surname. Oh, That's written by J.K. Rowling, yeah. Sybil Trelawney at Wizarding World. Well, good for Trelawney. She, she <laughs> Well, deserves... McGonagall did the same thing. Yeah. David is listening live right now on our Patreon, and he said, what would you call the Sprout Hooch ship? Spooch? <laughs> yeah, Spooch. <laughs> no, Houch. Houch. I like Spooch. Houch. Houch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Kind of creepy. Okay, our next voicemail comes from Ellie. She has Best an idea. Best voicemail ever. She has an idea for- the history of the show. Sorry. <laughs> she has an idea for who could play the sorting hat in a Harry Potter TV show. Hey, MuggleCast. Um, my name's Ellie, and I'm from Utah. Uh, I'm super new to this podcast. I just started listening yesterday, so I obviously don't have much experience with the podcast. But I just wanted to say that I think a really fun casting choice for the Harry Potter series would be Samuel L. Jackson as the Sorting Hat. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Samuel L. Jackson, I just feel like, has that kind of sassy vibe that you were talking about in that episode. And uh, I just think it would be really funny to have him be a part of that series somehow. The Sorting Hat just seems like a really great fit for him. Thanks for everything that you're doing. I'm really looking forward to listening to the podcast more. Welcome to the show, Ellie. And I get, you know, she said she's a new listener, so she doesn't know. We, we spoke about this on the news about a year or two ago. He did actually audition to be the Sorting Hat. <laughs> and uh, I have the audition tape. Do you guys want oh, to hear do. it? Yes, oh. please. Yeah. yeah, here it is. Enough is enough! I have had it with these mother... Hufflepuffs! On this mother... <laughs> stool! Everybody strap in! I'm about to open some <laughs> windows. <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining, uh. like, how he would deal with hat stalls. Oh, yeah. Being like, just pick one. <laughs> just pick one and go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Choose wisely, Mother Ever. <laughs> Go sit your ass down. 
All right. This uh, next voicemail comes from Morgan, who responded to our plot hole episode. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Morgan calling. I know it's a couple of weeks after your plot holes episode, but there's been one small plot hole in Deathly Hollows that has always bothered me, and I wonder if anyone else has noticed it. When Harry goes to Grimmauld Place to hide out from the Death Eaters after the wedding, he stumbles on the note um, that Lily sends to Sirius. And in that note, she mentions that Wormtail had visited them, and it says, quote, Wormy was here last weekend. I thought he seemed down, but that was probably the news about the McKinnons. Then later, when Harry is thinking through this note, he wonders if Wormy was here meant that, quote, Pettigrew the traitor had seemed down, had he? Was he aware that he was seeing James and Lily alive for the last time? But this note was sent as a thank you card to Sirius for Harry's birthday. Harry's birthday is July 31st, and the Potters didn't die until October 31st. That means that there is a three-month gap between when this card was sent and when the Potters died. So why would Harry think that Peter was seeing James and Lily for the last time? Super small point, but something that's always bothered me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, Let me know. Thanks so much. Bye. That does seem like a big time gap. And thus a big plot hole. Yeah. Harry can be a little dramatic sometimes, though. So it it could just be him projecting. Mm-hmm. I My question would be, though, when did the Potters actually go into hiding? Because that could maybe have influenced what Harry thought about Wormtail seeing them for the last time. Like, they didn't just go into hiding the day before Voldemort showed up on their doorstep. Right. I don't think there's like a specific month from what I see Googling. It's just around autumn. It's a good question, though. Yeah, it is. And I think we're stumped because it probably (laughs) is a significant plot hole. So good job, Morgan. This next one comes from Vicky. She has another plot hole for us to discuss. Hey there. This is Vicky from Washington State. And after listening to the last podcast about plot holes, um, which I have seen so many, of course, but I just choose to try to find a justification for them and figure out a way that they're okay. Um, but one of the things that always got me after I read it the second time was at Deathly Hollows, the whole taboo of Voldemort's name is why didn't just wizards go around and just blast his name all over the muggle world and just put it on billboards on the side of buildings and then everybody would be saying it constantly, and the Snatchers would just absolutely be going crazy and have no way to tell who to go to, what to do. Anyway, that's always the thing I think of when I get to that part in the book. Love <laughs> the show. Have a great day. It's a good idea. Overwhelm the system. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Although I could see them not wanting to potentially put other people in danger. Oh, that's true. I could see yeah. the Snatchers like popping up in like a muggle mall somewhere. And then being angry and like hurting or potentially killing those people. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I can see the wizarding community, at least the good side, not wanting other people to potentially be collateral damage. But be brave. Stand up to them. Say his name. <laughs> Confuse I, them. Overpower them and win. <laughs> I think it works, though, because there's only, what, a handful of people that have balls enough to say his name. Oh, and those oh, are the people mm, that Voldemort wants. Mm, yes. Right. First time we've ever used that word on the show. Stones. Sorry. How about Stones. that? Stones. <laughs> Snitches. 
gobstones. <laughs> Quaffles. Whoa. <laughs> That's... Laura, take us out of this mess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to some emails we got. This first one uh, is about our lines that we say out loud discussion. And it looks like it's from you, Andrew. I think this is cheating. Huh? It says, hi, MuggleCast. This is Andrew, host of MuggleCast. First time emailer, long time listener. After recording last week's episode, I remembered a Potter line that I use all the time. It's, we'll manage, said by Molly Weasley. I say it when I'm facing a difficult situation or sometimes sarcastically when it's not a hard situation, but I want to pretend like it is. Thanks. Yeah, agreed. Mm. We'll manage. I always say it like that. <laughs> we'll manage. Yeah. You know what's funny is I've started staying morning every morning when I go downstairs after we did that episode last week. So it's definitely starting to uh, grow on me. And do people give you a weird look when you do that every morning now or how does that go i kind of just say it to myself oh i see mm-hmm. <laughs> you say it to your muggle cast micah mug. winks at himself yeah <laughs> in the mirror yeah, yeah. <laughs> i bandage my ear too just to uh <laughs> get into the uh the real feel yeah of things mm-hmm. yeah i just say blimey every now and then blimey, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well this uh next email comes from another andrew not me this time So you say, maybe it's your Bumble impersonator. (laughs) (laughs) Too soon. Don't bring that up, please. So Andrew was just listening to our episode about gadgets and the Deluminator. And he wonders if its operation has anything to do with the Dumbledore quote, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. After all, it was a dark time when Ron left and he wanted to find happiness, so he turned on the light. I was driving on the highway when I made the connection and had to pull over to type it out so I wouldn't forget. Love the show. Thank you for pulling over. Yes. Yeah. And being a safe driver. Thank you for not texting while driving. Uh, But I like this because we were stumped as to why Dumbledore would have given Ron the Deluminator, right? So I think this answers that question in terms of uh whether or not it explains the deluminator though this quote i'm 99.9 percent sure was strictly a movieism yeah um, i think that's correct so it's just now rolling herself used it uh in a letter to a fan uh actually a teen who survived a shooting this is the washington post said in 2014 so rolling has appropriated the quote and used it but i think that originally it was strictly a movieism. So the reason I make that distinction is that in terms of like explaining, using it to explain the delimitator might not have been intentional by the author, but uh, it's, I think it can certainly help contextualize our understanding of what exactly it does. And certainly yeah. that movie, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, the line was delivered by Gambon, uh, is, you know, existed for several years before book seven came out, which is the one where Ron and the Demolinator and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I think she probably liked that line so much that she, you know, when she added that purpose, like we talked about in the gadget episode, like maybe the Demolinator should have been just another device, but she probably maybe thought of that idea as a way of like combining it. So pretty okay. interesting stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think just a quick note that this quote also exists in the movie to establish Michael. Gambon as a character, as a new Dumbledore and a likable new Dumbledore. So if you yeah. give this new actor such a strong line, 
it's going to help the audience. Agreed. I think that kind of thought is a good way to look at life, too, isn't it? Like, I, you got to remember yeah. to think positive. That's what's I going agree. on. I agree. I mean, here. seeing the way the fandom has, you know, I, I, I have friends with this on their wall, and it's, you know, in a typeface and a font that's really like, there's like a starry night. And then this quote is over a mountaintop, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, there's something to taking the quote for its merits. Right. So next email comes from uh, Kristen Haynes. I'm constantly listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks, and my last go through of Goblet of Fire, I had a thought. We all know Bellatrix and others tortured Neville's parents for information about Voldemort after his downfall. What was the information? Do you think it had anything to do with the prophecy? Since the prophecy could have referred to Harry or Neville, why did Voldemort go after Harry? Just because Harry was like him? Did he convey this reasoning to the Death Eaters? Since the second part of the prophecy was not heard by the Death Eaters, maybe they figured they needed to hear the rest. Did Frank and Alice Longbottom know they were at risk too? What information could Frank have gotten from being an Auror? How cool of a backstory episode would this make on the Harry Potter TV show? Thanks for always putting on an awesome show. Two weeks without you, and especially these last two felt like forever. Aw, long time listener. Um, P.S. Bring back MuggleCast Live once COVID is over. We're trying, <laughs> Kristen. We're trying. Lots of questions. Yeah. 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 Where'd you start? Think Where'd Dumbledore start? would be like, hey, Frank and Alice, by the way, B- BT dubs, I have intercepted information uh, that Voldemort has that you might be targeted. I feel like it's Dumbledore's responsibility to warn Frank and Alice as much as it was the Potters. Yeah. And I think to your your question about why did Voldemort go after Harry, Dumbledore posits his theory on this. And it, it's exactly what you said, because Harry is so similar to him that Voldemort, because he was able to see himself in Harry, automatically marked Harry as his equal. Bit of an egotist, that Voldemort. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, but... it. it- it does seem odd that Dumbledore didn't do anything to protect the Longbottoms after Voldemort's downfall. You, you, I know it took a while to mm. sort of round up the Death Eaters, but this, you know, this sort of torture happened after the fact. So it 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 begs the question, knowing that they were the other option for Voldemort and surely Voldemort passed that information along to his death eaters. Why more wasn't done after James and Lily were killed to, to protect the long bottoms. Exactly. It seems like another security nightmare. This is where his security nightmare uh, issues begin. Andrew, I'm convinced. Yeah. It costs (laughs) lives, livelihoods. The next one is from Katia. They write in um, because they've been on the lookout for plot holes after our plot hole episode. They said, I was watching Philosopher's Stone a few days ago and got to thinking while watching the scene where Hagrid takes Harry to Diagon Alley for the first time. In both the book and movie, Hagrid taps on the brick wall behind the leaky cauldron to access Diagon Alley with his umbrella. Harry does the same in Prisoner of Azkaban with his wand tapping the brick wall. So we know that you need your wand in order to open up the wall. 
If that is the case, and Hagrid isn't supposed to have his broken wand, why doesn't anyone question him accessing Diagon Alley via the Leaky Cauldron? <laughs> I recently listened to your plot holes episodes. So I've been on alert. <laughs> you know, that's a great question. And also, how do wizards who are their first time in Diagon Alley who haven't bought a wand yet, how do they get in? Hmm. Well, think, yeah. hmm. and I thought about this question, that Hagrid is really well known in the Leaky Cauldron so much yeah. that Tom asks him if he wants the usual. So I'm sure he's like, oh, I'll let it slide. My friend Hagrid. <laughs> like, well, you know the bouncer. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think wasn't there also something about um muggle-born wizards they get like an escort to diagon alley for this reason oh i don't know that it's an escort in the way that hagrid escorted harry but i think that for muggle-born parents they hermione says something like it gets exp- there's either supplemental letters and a writing explaining it or maybe somebody like dumbledore comes out and explains the situation to their parents. Yeah, I think yeah. someone shows up. I've heard that as well. I agree. Mm. You know, um, when I was watching Sorcerer's Stone last night, um, I was kind of laughing because there's that scene in Diagon Alley where Harry goes, I still need a wand. And Hegger goes, a wand? As if it's news to him that he's going to be a wand at Hogwarts. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he's like, well, we have to go to Ollivander's or something. Like, as if there was another choice. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. It's just little moments like that. You just have to laugh. <laughs> That's not something I've heard. I'm not keeping one in my umbrella. No, no, no. <laughs> this got me thinking, though. Do you think, though, that that's why J.K. Rowling did put Hagrid's wand inside an umbrella? Just so it's something that matches his size a little bit more it would be weird to see him just kind of standing there as a half giant like tapping the wall with a regular wand yeah instead he has this big umbrella that he uses and and it i don't know no you're right match matches him a little bit better right it'd be weird to see him holding such a small object by the way shout out to the sorcerer's stone dvd in order to access the deleted scenes you had to enter a code that's with a brick wall that was the best if you didn't have patience for that, all you had to do instead was grab the Sorcerer's Stone VHS and just fast forward to the end of the tape and the deleted scenes were right there. <laughs> yeah, that those menu games. Like, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm Classic. confident there are still features. There are still features I haven't seen because I can't get through some of them. <laughs> yeah. Was the wall also behind the secret door on J.K. Rowling's site years ago? I feel like that was one of the puzzles you had to solve. The bricks? I don't mm-hmm. think maybe i can't remember yeah, now Yeah, i don't remember that site was great do you guys remember the fly yeah around the fly classic oh. <laughs> young young kids will not know what we were talking about Ugh. our next email comes from wyatt who had a grim dinner chat with his parents um he said during dinner a few nights ago i asked my mom and dad could the veil destroy a horcrux and they didn't know now I was wondering if the veil could destroy a horcrux and what would happen if someone did throw one into the veil. Mm. I like this visual yeah. of Harry just like like yeeting the tiara through the veil. Right. Or the diary. Yeah. Like all this work that went into <laughs> destroying these things. He could have just tossed it through the veil. I think that's yeah. a good point, Wyatt. Could have worked. Just it, emptied it, his it, backpack. Serious <laughs> catch. Oh. <laughs> well... It it would either work, judging by what we know about Sirius was never able to return from the other side of the veil. We never heard from him again. 
it would either work to destroy the Horcrux or it would put the Horcrux permanently out of your reach. Yeah, good luck getting it out of there. A heck of a risk, honestly, and not one that we should be uh, comfortable taking. Um, Because if it didn't destroy it, it would just be back there where no living thing could go. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, but then Mm. if Voldemort decided he wanted to utilize it, would he not like spawn on the other side of the veil? And then wouldn't he just be trapped there? Hard to say, because presumably the veil, I mean, between life and death, souls still pass through into the afterlife, their souls. So if you have a bit of soul that's on the other side you'd be almost perfectly protected. Like you said, like he could hide one back there and it would be perfect. Yeah, but he doesn't have a soul. Well, he has pieces of like a Horcrux is a piece of soul, right? Yeah. How about just pushing Voldemort through the veil? (laughs) Yeah, he'd still be around, but he probably wouldn't be able to come back. And I don't know if anyone can figure out how to get to the the other side. It would be Voldemort, though. Mm. Wyatt asking the important questions over here. The important. Yeah, good one, man. Keep keep. Keep your thinking cap on. That's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. You can just see Sirius on the other side. Like he's wearing the tiara, drinking from the cup. He's got the <laughs> ring on his finger, <laughs> reading out of the diary. Just shouting at Voldemort, welcome to the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> Let's and duel. he's played by Steve Buscemi. <laughs> How do you do, fellow Dark Lords? <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm just imagining Wyatt asking... Uh, their parents and the parents are like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. And why it's like, all right, fine. I'm just emailing MuggleCast, whatever. <laughs> yeah, if I, <laughs> I wasn't going to go this far, but guess I have to. <laughs> I'm imagining it being the first thing that comes up at dinner, not like, how was your day or anything like that? Just like why it's sitting there and he just pops that question out. It was good. I was thinking about Horcruxes. <gasps> what? Why? Why, Wyatt? Why? <laughs> they respond. They're like, that's very dark magic, Wyatt. <laughs> Here's another email that came in from Alex. Hey guys, I have a lingering question on the Deathly Hallows that I wanted to get your thoughts on. In chapter six, when discussing how to put the soul back together after making Horcruxes, Hermione says, I can't see Voldemort attempting it somehow. Can you? And Rowling writes that Ron replies, no, quote, before Harry could answer. What do you think Harry would have said? Would Voldemort ever have attempted to feel remorse? Alex. I think this does kind of speak a little bit to Harry maybe always holding out a little bit of hope. Like we even see this in um, the King's Cross chapter after um, Harry and Voldemort have had sort of like the beginning of their final showdown. And he keeps glancing towards the creature that represents Voldemort under the bench. And he keeps asking Dumbledore, are you sure there's nothing we can do? Dumbledore's like, nah, it's fine. (laughs) He's like, there's no hope for that. Don't worry about it. It's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, we're on the verge of greatness, Harry. (laughs) Don't back up now. (laughs) A bit manipulative. Yeah. I always felt that there was more that could have been done for that uh, creature. Voldemort. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't too. achieve Dumbledore's ultimate goal, so right. So he if he doesn't feed Dumbledore's plan, he won't bother. Yeah, exactly. Man, not even the Dumbledore in Harry's head is forgiving. He's ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a couple more good voicemails to go, but first we have a word from our second sponsor this week, Me Undies. One thing that got us through this past year is love. And of course, as we talk about here on the show, the power of love is taught in the Potter books. 
Despite everything, we found new ways to match our daily lives together with the ones we love most. That's why Me Undies is going all out for Valentine's Day this year. They just released their V-Day collection, so you and your partner can match through it all. And if you're single, no problem. Show yourself some love in the comfiest undies and loungewear that make you feel amazing because you deserve that. Me Undies are made with sustainable, breathable, softer than soft fabric, and available in a range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. Plus, their Me Undies membership gives you and your boo a new pair of undies or socks every month. Members get discounted pricing on everything MeUndies makes, as well as early access to major print launches. And, 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 their Harry Potter line is still available. Grab the comfiest Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Slytherin, or Ravenclaw undies or loungewear that you will ever own. And to entice you further, Me Undies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash MuggleCast. That's MeUndies.com slash MuggleCast. Pick up those Harry Potter prints. You will not regret them. They are very cool. Our uh, next email comes from Rachel, who says, I know a lot of people hate that Harry ended up being an Auror and not the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor at Hogwarts. But if he was the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, what would he teach them for eight years? Just Expelliarmus over and over again? This is all you'll ever need to know, guys. Trust me. And people would believe him because he defeated Voldemort. True, but I think Harry would do more than that. I know Rachel's just joking, but he's experienced. He'd be like, Expelliarmus and surround yourself by people that are brighter than you. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Get your own Hermione and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Harry would take his role as a DAD teacher very seriously and I'm sure he would be excellent at it. Yeah, I I like this theory of like, Mm -hmm. or this like thought that he would rather be a defense against the dark arts teacher because what's Mm -hmm. there to do as an horror after defeating Voldemort? Crime never goes away, Pablo. It's uh, unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah, but... Everything would be like underneath what he has lived already. So, well, that could be a good thing. Does he really want to fight more Voldemorts now? He wants to fight petty crimes. Yeah, like oh, someone stole some potions ingredients from Diagon Alley. All right, and our final email today comes from Josiah. They write in with a question about the show about MuggleCast. My wife and I are longtime listeners, she since 2007, me since 2014 when I was introduced by her. We have been reading through Goblet of Fire recently, and we thought we should check out the chapter by chapter from back in the day. It's good, no doubt. So fun to get a blast from the past. Also, we are so interested in hearing a deep dive from the present day MuggleCast crew, what you all think of this book now that you have over 10 years of additional life experience. Not sure if you're interested in going back through some of these books again, but it's something, but if it's something you've been thinking about doing, just know that there are at least two fans, and I'm sure many others who would love that. You guys are so great. We love tuning in every week, and you always prompt fun and light discussion. You are a refreshing respite in these heavier days in our world's history. Thank you all. Many others have requested that we do chapter by chapter again as well. It's just a huge task to go through all seven books again. So my hope would be we somehow find a way to bring back chapter by chapter without going through 
every chapter of every book again. Right. There's certainly some ideas to mull around about it. I think that, you know, for instance, when we went through book seven, it was immediately after book seven came out versus everything we've learned in the aftermath and, you know, all the published works since then. Um, that there's there's a lot to be gained by the insight that revisiting books after, you know, 10 or 13, gosh, 14 years now, uh, you know, since they came out. So there's always value in that. But we would need to just to conceptualize what what makes the most sense, I think. Got to give the people what yeah. they want. I have to say, <laughs> uh, Goblet of Fire is my favorite book. So this is extremely tempting for me. Um, but I agree. Hmm. We would need to find a way to make it scalable because we do also have a lot of uh, fun ideas sort of like we have a whole like document full of fun fun ideas that we want to do on the show moving forward um so we'd have to make sure we'd find a way to like temper it with those Mm -hmm. i don't know we've turned this into a show planning discussion yeah I thought yep. this was a good idea to turn the tables back on ourselves for a moment yeah. to discuss what we're going to do. <laughs> no, but the, the point about, and we've brought this up on the show too, the point about rereading these books as adults has really afforded us many new discussion opportunities that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So it's an excellent point that rereading these books and doing by chapter by chapter again on the show would yield many more of those discussions that we were enjoying while reading Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince. But again, it's just, you know, going through all these books again would be a huge task. And we're enjoying all these one-off discussions that we're doing right now. So we'll see. I I think, too, we would have to decide, would we go in order again? Uh, Not that we went in order the first time, but would would we want to go in order this time? And I think we should. We should, but it's also true that, like you just said, we've done Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince recently, so I don't know that there would be any need to touch on those books. Um, I'd want to go back and, and and see kind of what the discussions were like yeah. back in 2007. And, and yeah, so I, I wouldn't say it's off the table. I, I, it's something we'll, we'll definitely think about. It, we just got to figure out the right way to do it, to your point. Yeah. Pablo, what should we do? You decide. You're a listener. Oh, my God. I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't been a listener for a long while. I've been listening for like four years. So there's Uh a lot of those chapter by chapters that I haven't gone back to. Mm. So that's okay. It'd be interesting to to listen to them again. But also, if you have these huge ideas, I know that chapter by chapter takes, takes a huge chunk of the show. Yeah, right. So maybe there wouldn't be so much space for other stuff. Yeah, right. Exactly. I I feel like maybe we could do a thing where we're jumping into random chapters somehow. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody who wrote into the show. We get feedback throughout the week and we love hearing from everybody because when we're recording, it's it's very one way. We're not hearing back from you, except for our patrons who are listening during our live stream. So we love hearing from you throughout the week. Don't forget, you can email MuggleCast at gmail.com or use the contact form on MuggleCast.com. Or you can call us, as some of our listeners did today, one nine two zero three muggle That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. Or record a voice memo on your phone and email that to MuggleCast at gmail.com. If you're sending us a message with your voice, just try to keep your message about a minute long, please. Okay, it is time for Quizage. 
last week's question. Which actor who had worked with Chris Columbus before asked to audition for Hagrid? This is uh, actually a really good one. And for some reason, this news had escaped me uh, prior to reading up on Chris Columbus for our recent episode. But the correct answer is Robin Williams. Wow. Robin really wanted to play the role of Hagrid. And the only thing, and he had experience working with Chris Columbus because of Mrs. Doubtfire, classic film, also starring Mara Wilson and Pierce Brosnan. But anyway, uh, the only thing that turned him down was Rowling's rule that you need British actors almost exclusively for these British roles. And so Robin, you know, Chris Columbus had to turn down his friend, Robin. It was the right call, though, casting an all British cast. That, yeah, was a, cast. That, that was the right call. And I am a huge Robin Williams fan, but I wonder if the performance wouldn't have been too loud. Too loud. Too loud. Too a little over the top. Too energetic. Think Genie. Right. I was thinking, you ain't never had a friend. Never had yeah, a friend. Yeah. Walking, like walking down Diagon Alley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so correct answers were submitted by Stephanie, Landon, Bort Voldemort, Reese without a spoon, Scott Moore, Ginny, not Weasley, Jeff Skellington, Zoom Tarot, Billy Reardon, and Twin Pistols. Uh, next week's question. Which actress reportedly turned down a role in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban to play the witch Sybil Trelawney when uh, due to the reasons stated that she did not believe Boarding school life should be glorified and submit your answer to us over on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Pablo, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great having you on. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was amazing. One more time. What was what's the name of your podcast? If people want to check it out. Yeah. Uh, Cuarentena Nueve y Tres Cuartos. It would translate to Quarantine Nine and Three Quarters. You can find us anywhere on Twitter and Apple Podcasts on Spotify facebook and it's a podcast in spanish with a unique twist to the harry potter franchise great we'll uh, include a link in today's show notes as well and thank you so much for supporting us on patreon at patreon.com slash mugglecast and thank you for listening to today's episode we really appreciate it we will be back next week i'm andrew i'm eric i'm micah i'm laura and i'm pablo bye, bye everybody bye, bye.